could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on MutinyRadio.fm. Freeform Radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year? If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. And uh, it was a cool show. Cool. <laughs> you dig the music? Yeah. Cool set. Cool. cool set. I have fun. I had fun as usual. Yeah. Cool. So. Uh... Um, welcome to Women's Magazine. It's January. Why am I playing Christmas music? Let's find out. Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. I'm Global Val, and you're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. Thank you so much for tuning in. Why am I playing Christmas music in January? It's probably one of the worst months to play Christmas music, but uh, I choose to play that song because the day uh, before Christmas, uh, 2015, uh, the Obama administration um, all their plans to conduct immigration raids um, Central American immigrants across the country, uh, that plan uh, that had been hatching for a while was was released. Was um, People found out uh, the day before Christmas that um, some raids were coming home 
raids around the country um, against Central American immigrants who were, um, you know, purportedly uh, in violation of uh, immigration uh, status, whether sneaking into the country. But unfortunately, uh, for many reasons, but uh, interestingly enough, a lot of the people who have been detained since those January raids of this year, 2016, um, a lot of those folks actually had some kind of legal status to be in the United States. So I want to reference today um, an article. We're going to be talking about this uh, this issue ongoing, this issue of uh, sanctuary, uh, deportation, refugee status, and uh, the role of government and the role of the people and the rights of the people. Um, we'll be on this topic for a while, I, I believe. So um, I'm going to reference an article from the Huffington Post um, talking about how some of the recent uh, ICE the Immigration and uh, Customs Enforcement Agency um, have purportedly violated the law, the Constitution, um, when they're raiding immigrants' homes. And so the Southern Poverty Law Center is investigating possible constitutional violations. So uh, ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Officers, tricked several people in Atlanta into opening their doors so they could enter without a search warrant and detain people slated for deportation in a series of controversial raids earlier this month. Immigrations, immigrants and lawyers told the Huffington Post. The Southern Poverty Law Center is investigating what it describes as possible violations of the Fourth Amendment's guarantee against illegal search and seizure. Um, ICE agents need consent to enter the home unless they've obtained a search warrant. Uh, quote, our review of the cases suggests that ICE used taxic tactics during the raids that potentially are illegal and violate the Constitution, and that in several of these cases, it appears that proper consent was not obtained to enter the houses. That's from one of the Southern Poverty Law Center attorneys, Eunice Cho. Um, there was a man in Atlanta, the suburbs of Atlanta, and these raids have been happening in various states throughout the country. Some actually happen right here in California, down in Los Angeles, um, but around uh, big cities in Houston, uh, Atlanta, Los Angeles, um, various places around the country. So uh, th this story um, that broke really soon thereafter, uh, a man named Rene Morales said he did not answer his door when ICE agents banged on it in the early morning hours of January 2nd looking for his sister. The siblings were, both siblings were undocumented, but Morales had obtained a temporary reprieve from deportation known as a deferred action for childhood arrivals. His sister had not. Uh, she and her three children had fled Guatemala in 2014 after witnessing a homicide, homicide and fearing retribution. Tens of thousands of Central American migrants have entered the U.S. over the last two years, often asking for asylum or other forms of deportation relief. Morales left the house a few hours after the ICE agents appeared to have left, and when he returned, he says two agents approached him and told him he would be arrested for obstruction of justice if he refused to open the door and let them search his house for, for a criminal named Miguel Soto, a man Morales said he didn't know. Uh, once inside the home, the agents instead detained his sister Rosa, along with her 17-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter. They did not detain Rosa's oldest daughter, who's 19, because she had a child who was born in the United States. Um, Morales said that they weren't looking for any Miguel Soto. They were looking for my family. The family's attorney, Shirley Zambrano, told the Huffington Post she thought Rosa would not be detained because she had obtained an order of supervision valid through June. So what, what we're looking at here is a case where... Uh, the federal government has decided to raid people's homes using resources uh, and, and, and fear tactics uh, to, to round up immigrants. And some of them actually have documentation. Um, so, yeah, so ICE, uh, back to the article, ICE often issues such orders, uh, which allow immigrants facing deportation to live and work legally in the United States if they regularly check in with authorities as a form of humanitarian relief. Uh, the family attorney said, I was very much in shock when they called me because she was on an order of supervision and ICE was not supposed to execute that, that order. In another case, ICE agents knocked on the door of Susanna Arevalo's parents 
uh, last week from the South Texas Family Residential Center in Dilly. Um, uh, Susanna reported. Uh, Arabella said agents told her they were talk- taking her to do paperwork, but said later that her asylum application had been rejected. They sent her and her two children to the family detention center to be deported to Honduras without allowing her to speak to her attorney. Brian Cox, a spokesman for ICE, said the agency does not discuss its tactics as a matter of policy. But in an email, he also disputed that Georgia agents had violated the law, writing that everyone detained, quote, was the subject of a targeted enforcement action based upon a final order of removal issued by an immigration judge and the operation was conducted in accordance with ICE policy, end quote. Lawyers and activists, however, say several other immigrants detained in the Atlanta area were deceived by ICE during the raids that began earlier this month. Quote, um, we have a hotline here and we have received a bunch of complaints about how ICE has lied to people to get inside their house, said Adelina Nichols, the executive director of the Georgia Latino Alliance for Human Rights. Charles Cook, an Atlanta attorney who has worked on immigration cases for more than 20 years, said ICE agents showed one of his clients a picture of a black man who they said was a criminal they needed help finding. Then agents detained his client. Other lawyers in the area encouraged the same thing. And he countered, rather, the same thing, Cook said. Uh, the three cl- cases that I'm aware of, in every instance, they showed this image of some terrible guy they said they were looking for, and they used that to get into the house. One of them was my client, and two of them were clients of other lawyers. Cook added, this is nothing new. They've used this tactic for dec- decades to get around a warrant. So this is a this, this has been happening uh, around the country this month, just this month. It's only January 15th here, 2016. And... Um, and uh, what we're seeing, not only these violations and, and this fear of, of uh, ICE agents pounding on doors in the early morning hours and taking people away, they've detained 121 immigrants, including women and children, uh, often uh, deporting them, and as we can see, um, in some cases, refusing them to let them talk to their attorney, um, back to these very dangerous uh, situations in their home countries in Central America, throughout Central America. Um, and what that's ha- what's happening, not only um, with these people who, this 121 people who've been rounded up, rounded up um, by federal authorities, the, I, I, the ICE agency, cold-hearted ICE agency, seemingly, um, but a lot of the immigrant communities around the country are suffering because people are afraid. They're afraid to go out. They're afraid to go grocery shopping. They're afraid to let their children go to school. Um, there's rumors uh, amidst neighborhoods saying that ICE is in the community. So people are like, you know, hibernating in their homes and, and hiding out. It's a really scary situation. And so um, a, a really kind of a psychological war on, on immigrants, many of whom who've come here across borders trying to escape violence in their home countries that have you know, countries that have been destabilized by American policies um, and actions in the past. Um, so it's a, it was a real shitty Christmas present from the Obama administration. And it's, it's something that we've got to keep an eye on here in 2016 um, from a human rights standpoint and also from a constitutional uh, standpoint to see um, how federal agents are actually carrying out these these raids and really using resources that could otherwise be allocated uh, to, you know, help refugees, um, help process some of the people who are in uh, refugee detention centers across the United States. Uh, just a couple months ago, uh, there was um, a, a widespread hunger strike, including uh, in one of the these detention facilities here in California where people were refusing to eat because of the deplorable conditions uh, and the abuses that they were suffering um, being in these refugee detention centers. And, 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 not, and, and the people who are there, it's not always because they get arrested and rounded up and put there. It's because they've come across a border. Uh, they've reported themselves trying to legally go through the process of, of getting refugee status. And 
the the process is is so slow. Some people end up staying in these detention facilities for years, years, um, often uh, being treated like a prisoner, uh, like a criminal in a sense, um, and in some cases being denied medical services, uh, it is a, a huge problem in this country, and um, it's something that we really need to stay on top of. So, um, in light of that, I wanted to read a poem. I like to read poems. I like to write poems. This is not a poem that I wrote. Um, this is a poem by someone named V.R. Sereno uh, from an anthology called Peace or Perish, a Crisis Anthology. Um, this was kind of an anthology in response to uh, nuclear proliferation. Uh, and uh, this was a copyrights 1983, um, put out by Poets for Peace in the Fort Mason Center here in San Francisco, and dedicated to the memory of Kenneth Patchen, a poet artist. So um, from this anthology, Peace or Perish, a Crisis Anthology, here is a poem from V. R. Sereno called Gorilla Children, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. As we ponder and reflect upon the situations in which people find themselves that they then need to flee to try to save their lives and come to the United States, a land of hope, um, a land of dreams. And as we can see, sometimes those dreams turn into nightmares. So here's the poem, Gorilla Children. She stood by the jungle roadside, 12 years old, her eyes the color of death. She could have been a Mission Street chola or a parochial schoolgirl. Plaid pleats floating around her thighs, white blouse smooth over her skin, giggling gossip at the bus stop. Instead, she stands like a rock, hard and cold, her skin her clothes, dusty like the road she guards, cradling a submachine gun <clears throat> in the delicate branches of her arms. My mother, my father, I saw the soldiers shoot them, each one, in the head. The blood grew like plumeria blossoms, so red. She fights for the people, guarding the road, holding the highways hostage. What will the U.S. military advise to destroy the guerrilla insurgents? The last time we sent military advisors, El Salvador, Vietnam. The last time we sent military advisors, all we got back, all I got back was a man who had nightmares of armies of children with machine guns and eyes the color of death. You're listening to Women's Magazine on Mutiny Radio. Dot FM here in San Francisco, my hometown, where I'm very privileged uh, to be able to walk down the street and not get thrown out of the country.
Welcome back to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. Thanks for listening to MutinyRadio.fm. It is Friday, January 15th, talking about the federal government raiding the homes of immigrants, often in violation of the Constitution. Um, and to continue this, uh, upon this important topic, this, this, uh, these laws and, and policies that are affecting pe- the lives of people around us, uh, and vi- affecting in effectually affecting all of us. Um, here in San Francisco, um, we recently, uh, well, voters recently uh, elected the first female sheriff of San Francisco, Vicki Hennessy. She is a, um, she's a, a department veteran. She's been in uh, the sheriff's department here in San Francisco for a long time. She acted as interim sheriff a couple years back when Sheriff Ross Mercarimi was entangled in a domestic violence uh, case. Um, he was subsequently reinstated in his job um, and then just recently got voted out in the November election. So Vicki Hennessy just got inaugurated um, or sworn in as the sheriff of San Francisco. So the first female sheriff of San Francisco, that is a very historic um a very historic thing or her historic thing um, to note here in this progressive city on the West Coast, uh, as I like to say, from the edge of the Western world. I think I might start saying that a lot more. I used to say it a lot, but nobody was listening. Now I'm on a radio show, so maybe somebody is. Um, and thank you out there if you're listening. I appreciate it. And if you ever want to give any feedback uh, to me um, or to Mutiny Radio, find me on Facebook. Uh, my page is Women's Magazine with the Global Val. And also we're here at Mutiny Radio. Um, and my, my blog is globalval.blogspot.com. Um, so with the, with the swearing in of the new sheriff, uh, Miss Hennessy, Sheriff Hennessy, um, one of the things that uh, she has said that she would like to address um, in, in her early days in this position is to try to reverse a memo that was issued by then-Sheriff Ross Mercarimi, which prevented the San Francisco Sheriff Department from reporting or interacting with or communicating with ICE, um, who we were just talking about in the first part of the show, um, Unless there were a court order or a warrant um, issued for the their arrest or uh, of of an immigrant who may show up or in, or find themselves in sheriff's custody, um, so this memo uh, from from the an internal memo from Ross Mercurimi kind of set this policy um, in place because San Francisco is a sanctuary city. Um, and um, what a, a sanctuary city means that um, that when um, if if an immigrant undocumented has an interaction with the police, um, for example, uh, in cases of domestic violence, um, if there's someone who's who's a victim of domestic violence but they're an illegal immigrant, they can still contact the police, report the crime without having uh, their own um, immigration status threatened or de- uh, threat of deportation. Um, so in that way, it's, it's protecting um, the victims of crimes. Um, and, and so San Francisco is a sanctuary city. Um, it, that status and that memo from Mercurimi got a, um, quite a lot of uh, la- um, backlash last year and continues to do so in the... Um, and it showed up in the debates of, uh, of the presidential debates, um, about immigration because there, uh, the sheriff's department had a man in custody. Uh, his name was Francisco Sanchez. Um, and he was an immigrant. He was a Mexican national who actually had been deported from the United States five times, um, for various reasons, uh, dr- mostly drug convictions and illegal reentry. Um, so historically, um, just having a bunch of drug violations and then trying to come back into the country after being deported from him. Um, but he was uh, in custody with, of the SF Sheriff's Department um, 
back in uh, spring of last year in 2015. And then he was subsequently released um, because there were no active charges against him. Now, um, ICE, the Immigration Customs Enforcement, um, did have a detainer on him, um, meaning that they wanted any anyone who brought him into custody to report so that they could uh, report to them uh, so that they could deport him yet again. Um, so uh, due to our sanctuary city policy and due to the internal memo issued by Mayor Karimi, um, that that detainer on this man, Francisco Sanchez, was not honored by the uh, sheriff's department. And so they released this man and he was subsequently arrested and is um, being charged for second degree murder um, for having supposedly accidentally shot a woman who was walking along Pier 39. Um, uh, her name is her name is uh, Kate Steinle and Catherine Steinle. I, I don't know how you say it. Um, Catherine or Kate. And, um, and she was walking along Pier 39 with her father and got hit by a bullet. Um, and this bullet came from a gun uh, that... Um, that Francisco Sanchez, who was then homeless, um, said that he had found wrapped up in a t-shirt under a bench. Um, you know, that's his claim. Uh, however, the, the gun was identified. Uh, he admitted to, to firing the gun, said he would, he had woken up, uh, you know, after taking some sleeping pills and he was shooting at the sea lions, uh, pier 39. I mean, okay. Right. Um, ridiculous, but, um, but one of these bullets um, hit and killed uh, this young woman. Um, and, and so because uh, he had been released from the sheriff's department without having been reported to ICE, who had issued a detainer, not an arrest warrant uh, per se, uh, I guess there's some, some technical difficulty, uh, technical uh, technicalities of, of differences of, you know, he wasn't... Uh, it wasn't a court order. It wasn't a warrant. It was just that ICE wanted him to be detained. It was called a detainer. Um, and it hadn't been honored. So he was released and subsequently uh, found this gun, uh, you know, whether or not he found it or, or had stolen it himself um, and accidentally, presumably accidentally uh, shot and killed this woman, um, perhaps from a ricochet of, the, of a bullet that he had shot from the gun. Um, the Interestingly enough, the gun was the gun of, um, had been stolen from a federal agent's car uh, back in, I think it was June of 2015, um, of a, a Bureau of Land Management uh, vehicle. Um, so it was a federal officer's gun that had been law- reported stolen uh, and later showed up in this crime investigation. Um, so it, it has become an an ama- uh, it has become a really big issue um, about this this uh, sta- uh, sanctuary city policy and um, and this Ross Mercurimi memo um, preventing his department from reporting or interacting with ICE without a court order or warrant. Um, and now that the new sheriff has been sworn in, uh, Vicki Hennessy says that. It is one of her first priorities to reverse this memo. Um, uh, and actually, the House of Representatives just passed some legislation called Kate's Law, uh, blocking states and cities from receiving federal law enforcement funding if they refuse to communicate with ICE due to the due to sanctuary sanctuary city policies. Um, so basically creating a budgetary consequence for not cooperating with ICE. Um, now that's just been passed by the House of Representatives. It hasn't been signed into law yet, but Kate's law. Um, so with the with uh, Vicki Hennessy now at the head of the department saying one of her priorities is to uh, reverse this memo issued by Mirka Remy, uh, preventing the sheriff's department from contact being contact or interacting with ICE or answering their questions unless there's a search war a court war, uh, order or warrant um, it in and of itself is rather controversial and but we see how um, if Kate's law does get signed into law um, cities like San Francisco would be losing out on federal funding um, for being a sanctuary city so with that um, 
I'd like to read to you, this is an, uh, this is an op-ed. This article appeared in the San Francisco Examiner just about three days ago. It was, uh, it was in the January 12th edition of San Francisco Zam- Examiner. And, um, and, and this, op- this op-ed was written by Lydia Salazar, um, who is the program's co-director at the Community United Against Violence which is the oldest LGBT anti-violence organization in the country that provides services to survivors of domestic and hate violence. And I, I thought she wrote a really, um, really uh, poignant um, response, hoping to set, set some uh, policy in motion. Or Anyhow, I'll let her speak for herself by reading the article. It, And the title of this article is called Immigrant Women Relying on Hennessy by Lydia Salazar. The historic inauguration of Vicki Hennessy as San Francisco's first female sheriff opens a new era in city law enforcement history. But what kind of era will it be? For immigrant women in particular, the stakes have never been higher. Just after New Year's Day, Awful scenes of deportation raids rounding up mothers and young children rocked immigrant communities from coast to coast with pain and anxiety. Immigration and customs enforcement agents terrorized Central American refugee families in several states. Shockingly, ICE seized children as young as four years old and has already forced some back to the extreme violence they fled. These raids occurred primarily in southern states, yet panic created by the Obama administration's cruel leak of its plans on Christmas Eve has had serious repercussions in many local neighborhoods. Unfounded rumors of local ICE activity have spread like wildfire across social media, driving some immigrant moms to keep their children home from school as advocates scramble to quell fears. For immigrant women who are survivors of domestic violence and already struggle to get the support they need, this stress has added yet another layer of isolation and fear to their experiences. Deportation comes at a tremendous human cost to families and communities deeply woven into the tapestry of our social fabric. Even the fear of permanent separation from loved ones brings its own psychological scars. Yet, Sheriff Hennessy has already suggested deportation may be the first topic she'll address. Immigrant immigrant domestic violence survivors who have shared their stories in support of San Francisco's pro-immigrant policies hope Sheriff Hennessy will reject calls from Donald Trump and others to turn the jail into pipeline for deportation. As Trump's hateful rhetoric has made clear, the push for deportation is cloaked in language that dehumanizes, scapegoats, and criminalizes entire communities. But immigrant survivors of domestic violence know all too well that such rhetoric masks the ugly truth about deportations. The immigration system is fundamentally devoid of due process. ICE has swept up even U.S. citizens and survivors of crime. And folks can remain locked up for months or years without even seeing a judge while they face abusive treatment. In fact, a recent news report compared a California detention facility to Guantanamo Bay. Cecilia Chavez, a transgender community leader and and member of the community United Against Violence, faced these injustices personally. Chavez is a survivor of domestic violence. She called police for help after realizing her partner was drugging her. Yet, police officers arrested her along with her boyfriend, and she was later turned over to ICE for deportation. Stories like Chavez's show how entanglement with ICE can damage already frayed confidence in law enforcement. Thus, domestic violence advocates have fought so hard to get local law enforcement out of the deportation business. With the fingerprints of all people arrested automatically sent to ICE, the least we can do is uphold basic due process. That means making sure a judge has found probable cause for ICE's often shaky requests for a local jail to share private information like release dates and home addresses. To be sure, some voices have called for people with certain convictions to be treated more harshly. 
Yet many, including domestic violence survivors, received convictions a long ago and have since transformed their lives. Moreover, law enforcement misconduct, from racial profiling to racist text messages to killings by police, has exploded in the national spotlight and highlighted the severe shortcomings of the justice system from San Francisco to Chicago. In the face of this crisis of confidence, we need to do everything we can to advance due process, not undermine it. Frankly, Sheriff Hennessy disappointed many service providers and advocates with her support for building a new jail, unanimously rejected by the Board of Supervisors late last year. But with the city's deportation policy, the sheriff has a powerful opportunity to make the right choice. Across the city, immigrant women are counting on her. And that was uh, from Lydia Salazar, the program's co-director at Community United Against Violence, a national organization. So folks, going forward into 2016, what are we going to do? Are we going to give in to fear? Are we going to look the other way when homes get raided? When our neighbors get taken away for simply being our neighbors? Thank you. 
You're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val here on Mutiny Radio.fm here in San Francisco. It's January 15th. And um, we actually have this really great, and the music you're listening to today is from an awesome international group called Lost at Last. Um, I remember walking, I remember when I bought this album, <clears throat> I walked into, uh, there was this cool store on Hate Street. It's not there anymore. Um, and, uh, I heard the music playing. I'm like, what music is this? And they said, lost at last. And I was like, I want to buy it. So, um, they're, they're really amazing. Um, internationally minded, uh, crew. So here at mutiny radio at 2781 21st street, San Francisco, 94110. Um, we have this amazing new art on our walls. If you've never been to Mutiny Radio, it's the size of a little cafe. We're right at the corner. It's a little storefront. So you come in and uh, it's a little, basically a little art gallery space. There's a stage, there's some microphones. And then if you look to your right, there's a, you know, there's the studio. So, um, so, you know, we're running the shows and looking at the people and we're all here together. It's a great community event, uh, space. Um, so, you know, check out a lot of things that are going on. There's a lot of events that we do, uh, regularly and throughout the year um so the uh the art that's on the walls right now um is a series of posters these these beautiful drawings um by joss sanses and uh with text from Bill Morgan and Bill Morgan is one of our, one of our DJs. Um, he does labor and love here on mutiny radio.fm. And so they made these labor cards, uh, of, of labor heroes essentially. Um, so we've got these, these great black and white and red drawings of labor heroes and, um, so a little bit of history about or history about, these people. And so, um, they're, they're poster size all over mutiny radio, come down and check it out. 21st in Florida. Um, but also they make little cards as well called labor cards. Um, and, uh, with a special thanks to the United educators of San Francisco, AFT local 61, UESF president, Dennis Kelly and the CFT labor in the schools committee. Um, so, copyright 2014 bill morgan um so i wanted to highlight a couple of the people who we have on our walls here um being that we're talking about immigration i, I chose two uh immigrants so the first one is louisa moreno 1907 to 1992 uh quote from louisa california has become prosperous with the toil and sweat of mexican immigration end quote moreno came Moreno came to New York from Guatemala in 1928 and worked as a seamstress in Harlem. She was radicalized during a 1930 demonstration where she saw police beating protesters. Louisa worked with Latina and African-American cigar rollers in Florida and pecan workers in Texas. She settled in California to organize cannery workers and became a leading voice opposing the beating of young Mexicans by servicemen during the so-called Zoot Suit Riots. She was deported to Mexico in 1950 at the height of the Red Scare. So, Luisa Moreno, come and check out uh, these posters. They're beautiful, beautifully done um, and learn about lots of po folks. We've got one about Joe Hill, Harry Bridges, um, Lucy Parsons, Dolores Huerta, Mother Jones, uh, Martin Luther King. And today is actually Martin Luther King's birthday. Um, another... Um, as we talk about labor, and I've just got a few more minutes here, uh, labor and the labor movement, um, there's actually um, some hearings happening in the Supreme Court right now, um, which could greatly affect uh, labor unions in the United States and, and what happens, uh, the future of labor and the labor movement. Um, and it kind of harkens back to, we're going to go back to 1947 for a minute, the Taft Hartley Act of 1947, and that that law, when it came in, when it when it became law, uh, basically said that. Um, so if, if if you work someplace where there's a union, um, that you don't have to whatever the um, benefits the union may uh, fight for and and gain from that employer. Even if you work there and you're not part of the union, you can still benefit from whatever gains the union makes. 
So effectively, that means uh, you don't have to be in the union. You can just work for us. Hey, if they go on strike, you don't have to go on strike. You can work for us. But if they win anything, if they negotiate uh, on your behalf, you still get it. So it divides the workers in that regard. It tells, it gives people an out um, for being part of a union. Um, so later on, what unions were able to um, kind of uh, use to move forward from that is is they is um, that workers in the place where there's a union um, didn't have to join the union to uh, to to gain these benefits from the Taft Hartley Act of 1947, but they did have to pay an agency fee. So it would be less. It would it was still a fee in order to benefit from their from the work of the union, uh, working on their behalf to negotiate for all the workers. But it was just a, a lower amount of money than normal union dues. So this agency fee um, has basically kind of helped to equalize a little bit um, between the people who are not part of the union, but who would benefit from the negotiations of the, uh, that the union had done on the behalf of all the workers there. So there is um, some hearings in the Supreme uh, in front of the Supreme Court going on right now um, that would p- potentially reverse the the agency fee, saying that the agency fee is not necessary, and they're and uh, effectually going back to the Taft Hartley Act, which says you don't have to pay anything, you don't have to be a part of the union, but if the union organizes on your behalf, then you get to benefit. So again, we see in this country uh, the business community um, working towards uh, destabilizing and under- undermining uh, union and labor movements. Um, so keep your eye on that. Uh, could could mean a huge difference for the future of of the way uh, people work and benefit from uh, organized organized workers and such. Um, so one other, in light of that, I want to highlight one other labor hero um, from the labor cards and labor posters here up at Mutiny Radio. And uh, this one highlights Rose Schneiderman, who lived from 1882 to 1972. Quote, the worker must have bread, but she must have roses too. Rose Schneiderman's family arrived in the U.S. from Poland in 1890. She lived in an orphanage and went to work when she was 13. She helped organize her factory and in 1909 became the leader of the International Ladies Garment Workers uh, Uprising of of 20,000, a strike demanding safer working conditions. Several factory owners complied, but some did not, leading to the terrible Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire in 1911. Rose campaigned for women's suffrage and became an advisor to Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt during the New Deal. So another uh, labor hero, uh, an immigrant, a woman who's made a difference. And, uh, I, uh, and I, I highly recommend and invite you to come down and visit Mutiny Radio and check out some of these amazing posters. I'll be right back.
Thank you for listening to Women's Magazine today here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, and it's been kind of a serious show. Um, I want to end the show with a poem I wrote when I was watching something very non serious happening um but i think it speaks to this idea of borders and it, and this idea of of uh fighting and uh fighting over borders and 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 just the things that humans have decided are important um so uh, i i wrote this poem while watching some extreme water sports <laughs> okay um so uh i think we just all need to take a step back and here's the poem. All right, hold on a second. This is live radio, folks, so you know I gotta I gotta make some adjustments here. All right, here we go. I'm Global Val. Thanks for listening. Man plans his approach to water with claptraptions, well-thought-out machinations of how to surf, ride, or sail, following deliberate detailed checklists, assembling equipment, donning gear and physical protection, system in place, and emergency exits. And yet, the doleful-looking pelican sits effortlessly like a salty swan, head fixed and feet lifted into feathered boat bodice. Notice how it floats over the swell and trough, safely stable, bobbing approximately in its chosen locale and takes flight at will. Thank you for listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. I hope you're all having a safe and warm and loving day and life out there. It is January 15, 2016. And uh, just remember, whether you're trying to flee violence, whether you're trying to help a neighbor, uh, whether you're trying to fight for justice, um, all these things, whatever your aspirations may be, I've forgotten my own line. <laughs> Just remember, <laughs> I know I'm trying to. I've got the rhyme. I'm I'm getting help from the audience. I've got the rhyme. I can't think of how it starts. Oh my goodness. I made this up on the fly when I, when I first got this show. It was the first thing I did. I was like, I got to say something. And uh, <laughs> just when your aspirations seem outrageous, that inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. Uh, stay tuned for Common Thread Collective. It's a live show, folks. Oh, and a bunch of live ones. Thanks to music from Lost at Last. Cheers, peace, and love. Let's